T minus 10, 9, 8, 7. And we have main engine start. 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, and liftoff. Blast off into the potosphere with DGP nominal. All systems remain nominal. 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 Hello everybody and welcome to TGP Nominal, your monthly look at all things science facts and science fiction. We've got a special show lined up and the show wouldn't be the same without a certain person and that would be John Berger. How you doing, sir? The show would be better without me. What are you talking about? <laughs> it wouldn't be the same. <laughs> well, no, of course it wouldn't be the same, but it'd be better, you know. That, that crazy Yankee that you keep talking to. But uh, as I said in the last episode, it gives it that transatlantic flavor and I think that's what makes it different different really <laughs> i can't oh. argue with that <laughs> so as i say it's a special show um what we plan on doing is talk to you a little bit about um things that have been happening in the world of comic-con mm. um, because there's been a, a lot of them lately hasn't there john science fiction <laughs> Yeah, I mean, obviously the big one has been the San Diego Comic-Con, and um, following that we had the uh, London Film and Comic-Con, so I thought we'd uh, just talk about that for a little while. So, um, let's get started. The, the first one on uh, the list is um, Ghostbusters. Yes, Ghostbusters. I have never seen so many people hating a movie that has not even been released yet. <laughs> silly, isn't it? I, I mean, I just hope they don't ruin the memory of the original because it is one of my favorite films of all time. You know, but a, a, a friend of mine made a good point with all the people who are getting upset by this and how, why, why are you just why are you bringing in all women? That's just political correctness and blah, 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 blah. You know, none of this is going to make the original go away. Mm. You, no one's going to be forced to watch this new Ghostbusters. You don't want to see it? Fine. Go grab your copy off the shelf or, you know, stream it or whatever. And you can always enjoy the original version. And if this turns out to be a bomb, which I don't think it's... I honestly don't think it's going to happen. And, but if this one bombs, well... It bombs, you know, and if it does well, it doesn't eliminate the original. No, and there's also talk of the the uh, another version as well, isn't there? The one with um, uh, they were talking recently about uh, maybe Chris Pratt being involved in. Yeah, that just came out in the past few days, and yeah, uh, yeah they are talking about an all male version to work in conjunction, not in conjunction, but be in the same universe, shall we say, mm-hmm. as uh, this this new all female reboot. Um, so it looks like they're going to try to run them, you know, side by side, sort of. Well, you see, when I, uh, years ago now, uh, was at Universal Studios in, in Florida, and they had the, um, the Ghostbusters Spooktacular, mm-hmm. uh, live show version of Ghostbusters. And the idea was that you could run your own franchise. The, the Ghostbusters had got so big that they were asking people to start their own franchises across the United States. <laughs> So there's no reason that couldn't be the the plot between the two films. And I think that's pretty much going to be, like I said, th- their intention is to have it just like with the Marvel Universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, well, you, you've got the Iron Man and Captain America and Avengers and 
they're all within the same universe. They're all kind of linked to each other. They're not explicitly connected. And that's pretty much what they look like they're going to be doing with the new Ghostbusters. Yeah. So, I mean, they, they did finally introduce what the new Ecto-1 is going to look like. And it looks it looks a lot like the original. Yeah, I kind of yeah. like the hood ornament that's on it. The little ghost, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it, so it does look a lot like the Ecto-1. I think one of the things that also gave it some flack is the first picture that they released of the, the four leads. Their uniforms kind of look like janitors, which turned a lot of people off. Yeah, um, that, and I think that they kind of the, the the Paul Feig finally was like, you know what? That was probably not the best idea. So a few hours later, he finally released another photo with all four of them in their full gear, standing next to Ecto One. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's just uh, yeah. I mean, that was a, a big thing at Comic Con, and I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'll give it a chance. Yeah, I'll give it a chance. I'm not one of the instant haters. I mean, a lot of people didn't like Ghostbusters too. Well, that's I, another story. I kind of like it. It was cheesy. I liked it. Well, that. yeah. Well, well, I mean, you could always argue that the first one was too. In its own way But actually it's kind of funny um, Not related to Comic Con But related to what you're saying I I just saw an article And I've actually got it set up For my next uh, podcast Uh, And for those of you who don't know That's widescreen.org Thank you very much Uh, (laughs) There's actually a list of From England uh, About their favorite 100 movies And like only a small fraction of them were what we would consider to be like really important ones like something like only 12 of them were academy award winners and it's amazing to see some of the differences between what the british consider to be the top 100 v- movies versus what americans think are the top 100 movies i can understand that because there's a certain movies that are very uh, region specific shall mm-hmm. I say and it's the same with TV shows I mean I'm with my other half I'm, certain things that are said in uh, American TV shows and I I call them Americanisms and I'm having to <laughs> explain them to my other half <laughs> because well she's not been to the States before so you need to correct that <laughs> yeah yeah Washington DC and the Air and Space Museum await <laughs> <laughs> Well, that could be another Eddie Izzard skit about that, saying about how British films are very esoteric and so forth about, you know, counting matches. <laughs> it's also similar to the one uh, in um, uh, National Lampoon's European Vacation mm-hmm. when um, they're trying to watch TV and it's like four channels of cheese and no MTV. <laughs> <laughs> But so yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to the Ghostbusters movie coming out. I'll watch it. I'll give it its chance, and if I don't like it, okay, whatever. Then I'll just watch the original again. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a bit different over here because um, a lot of the, the 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 ladies that are actually in the movie, the actresses that are in the movie, um, they're very well known in America for being on shows like Saturday Night Live mm-hmm, and, right. and we don't actually have that over here so well yeah I mean so it is interesting to see how that'll work but so, you know what these kind of movies do really really well overseas anyway mm, yeah but it's a big franchise isn't it it's a big franchise it's a well known franchise and I remember reading an article a while ago that was actually yeah, kind of humbling as to why so many movies get released overseas first whereas they used to be released over here first and one of the reasons well the main reason is because we've pretty much become very particular and if we don't like something we will say so Mm -hmm. and what they found out was that 
movies that were coming over here, we would have a different expectation than the rest of the world. So a movie had come out over here, and it wouldn't meet our expectations. So all of a sudden it goes online, and these American reviews come out, and it's not very flattering. So they found out that was actually having a negative impact when the movie released overseas. But because most other places are not as anal retentive as we are, movies would be released overseas first, do really, really well... So then they all of a sudden get all the positive reviews and then it would be released over here and it wouldn't be as negatively viewed. All oh, right. Okay. Which I, I read that. I was like, you know what? I get that. I understand that. I don't like it because that means that we have to wait for our movies, but I get it. So it would not surprise me that even though Ghostbusters is well established and so forth, that it wouldn't surprise me if it still does really, really well overseas. And there was even an article just the other day about how many movies bombed by definition here in the States, but actually were saved uh, financially just because they did really well overseas. You know, and, and that's like, like, um, oh, God, uh, John something from Mars. Oh, my God, I can't believe I can't remember that. The big Disney bomb. Oh, I'm so ashamed. John oh, Carter. John Carter, yeah. Did not do well over here, but it did well overseas. All right. You know, stuff like that. I was looking at these movies like, yeah, that movie did not do well. Oh, wow. It made that much money overseas? Wow. So I'm, I'm really not worried about the Ghostbusters reboot. And I think just out of curiosity, enough people are going to go and see it. I think I probably will. I'll, I'm going to have to watch it with an open mind, I think. Yeah. Uh, it'd be interesting to see somebody else's take on on it. Um, yeah, it's, it's one of these things I'd, I didn't know what quite what to make of it when you know, I found it was an all-female cast. But when you hear that uh, they are people that were uh, on Saturday Night Live, which is exactly how the other Ghostbusters was made from people from Saturday Night Live. That's true. That's very true. Uh, yeah, all, all of them except for, uh, oh, God, the fourth one. Can't remember his name. Ernie Hudson. Ernie Hudson, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. you're right. Yeah, all the others were Saturday Night Live or National Lampoon or, you know, some way related to that. Yeah. So, yeah, you're right. So it's, it's a quite a good omen in that respect, I think. You know, And they, I think Paul Fink knows what he's up against. And he knows that if this is either going to work or it's going to fail spectacularly. So, and I think he knows that. So I'm not too worried about it at this point. We'll, we'll wait to see when it comes out. Definitely. The next one on the list is the uh, the Deadpool trailer. I want this movie so badly. <laughs> it's a strange one, isn't it? Because is it going to be? It's going to be an R-rated film, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it's going to be the first Marvel R-rated superhero film. But it has to be to really be Deadpool. It couldn't be any other way. Could no, it? it's going to be loaded with profanity. There, there's going to be some level of gore to it. But when that original test thing leaked or was released, however you want to look at it, I honestly still believe that somebody. Somebody at 20th Century Fox released it just to put a feeler out there and then said, oh, no, somebody leaked it. <laughs> and when it just got the response that it got, they're just like, yeah, OK, you know what? They've been asking for this. We've released this thing. They've proven they want it. Let's do it. I, I got to see the clip and it's amazing. It is so Deadpool. And I'm not even a... I've never read the Deadpool comics. I just know enough about his history and how he's supposed to be that I am so... I want to see this movie so badly. For me, it's how a superhero movie should be anyway, because I find a lot of them too 
clean cut mm -hmm. and a lot of these guys are not clean cut no especially Deadpool <laughs> I mean he, he was the first really big superhero you know he's mouthy he's sarcastic he breaks the fourth wall constantly mm -hmm. I mean some of the comics that I have seen he'll break the fourth wall but then the people that he's talking to are like what are you talking about because <laughs> they don't realize that there is a you know those characters don't realize that there's a fourth wall mm -hmm. and it's just it just makes it that much funnier yeah it is the fact that he's talking directly to you mm -hmm. I like that I like that a lot <laughs> it just, it's so different it's refreshing in a way mm, very much so so and, and to those of you who haven't seen it yet well that's because there hasn't been an official release of this trailer and that's another sticking point with me and there, actually there's finally a lot of people saying you know what this stuff about Comic-Con not streaming their sessions live this has to end mm -hmm. and I'm just thinking to myself we are the fans who couldn't get to Comic-Con yeah. we want to see this we won't care if it's not completed and that was the, the one thing that Ryan Reynolds came out afterwards and said that the reason why they didn't release it publicly is that they said that the special effects and so forth aren't for that particular segment weren't finished yet and I'm just sitting there thinking I don't give a rat's rear end I just put in there that this is incomplete footage what we won't care and what we saw was just amazing with the, the live streaming um, it worked so well at Star Wars Celebration that is the one thing that the, the people at Lucasfilm and J.J. Abrams they get they know the fans want to see this so as soon as they show it at Comic Con they release it on the internet mm -hmm. which is brilliant absolutely brilliant stuff you know, I'm a big video gamer so I go to PAX East just about every year and all the PAXs they live stream the, the main sessions that go on alright and so even if you're not there you can watch things as they're happening it doesn't hurt anything you know no video game company has come out and said oh this is a breach of trust or whatever you know they'll show their previews and, and they'll have their panels and you just live stream it and it's all good Comic Con just doesn't seem to do that and it's time for that to end it really is and just the fact that the, the Suicide Squad got leaked and then finally released and the Deadpool thing got leaked and hasn't been released but at least a statement's been made on it, it it's just it's, it's time to stop this this is where J.J. Abrams knows his audience. He knows it so well, and he's playing to us like crazy. Oh, yeah, that's for sure. What did you make of the um, the, the Suicide Squad trailer? Eh, you know, and that's just because I don't know enough about the Suicide Squad. I, I know people are not going to agree with this. I'm still not feeling Jared Leto as Joker. It's a bit bizarre, isn't it? It's, um... A little bit on the side of Marilyn Manson, isn't it? <laughs> And, you know, for that environment, it might work. I don't know. You know, there were, there were some things in the trailer that actually were of interest. Uh, you know, like, like Will Smith's character saying, you know, let's go save the Earth. And you see him uh, hugging what I'm assuming is one of his children. I don't know. Mm -hmm. You know, he's he's a bad guy who is trying to be a good guy. Yeah. You know, that yeah. was kind of cool. Joker is just, he's just psychotic. Yeah. You know, no matter how whatever role he's in, he's psychotic. He does not want to do good things. But I don't know. No, I, I'm just... I need to see more of Suicide Squad before I feel yay or nay on that. Batman vs. Superman? I am... I'm gonna be there on that opening weekend. 
the trailer that they released at Comic-Con, I'm convinced now. And I no longer have any concerns about uh, Ben Affleck being Batman. That trailer was freaking amazing as far as I'm concerned. It's very dark. You expect it to be dark. It, it, it was always going to be a clash of these two personas. And you can understand why Bruce is like he yeah. is about Superman. Yeah, I mean, let's face it, this is a sequel to The Man of Steel. This is a direct sequel to The Man of Steel, which was very dark in and of itself. Hopefully, as it goes on later, it'll start to become a little bit lighter. Because I know that for a while there, there was a big rumor that Warner Brothers pretty much had a no comedy rule because of Green Lantern, which I think is completely unfair, to be honest. Because um, mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed Green Lantern. I'll say it. You can throw your digital tomatoes at me all you want. I enjoyed Green Lantern enough that I, I sat there, I ate my popcorn, I watched the movie, and I said, yeah, there were a lot of story and plot lines that were weak, but overall I enjoyed it. Well, it's escapism at the end of the day, isn't it? It was escapism, and it wasn't awful. As far as I'm concerned, it was not an awful movie. You know, but I understand understand why that didn't do so well and and apparently that was the catalyst for the whole no humor rumor but now they've come forth to say that humor is going to be a big part of the of the new dc universe mm-hmm. which okay good let's let's have that oh and actually did you catch in, in the the deadpool trailer he actually made fun of green lantern because for anyone who hasn't seen it he's going in to go, undergo the procedure that turns him into deadpool and he's like please just don't give me a green uniform and don't make it animated <laughs> <laughs> direct <laughs> direct shots at Green Lantern. <laughs> so it's like, kudos for uh, Fox for doing that. That was funny. But the Batman v Superman, I probably watched that eight or nine times in a row. I was just like, this is amazing. Have you, have you seen the photographs that have followed suit after that? Of, of what? I mean, there have been a lot of photos um, surrounding... Well, the of um, uh, like the LexCorp. Uh, building and um, oh yeah 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 uh, which uh, some people said it's like one of these children's games you know like funhouse or one of these kind of things uh, and I'm like well no you think about it if you, if you go to one of the major corporations mm-hmm. like Facebook or or Google or one of those it's open plan they've got games and things going on it's right s- supposedly a fun place to work isn't it uh, and that's probably the kind of image that he's trying to put across at the time I mean obviously he does change. <laughs> yeah, slightly. I've seen a lot of people saying, I don't know that I like this new kind of cocky, not the cocky, but the Lex Luthor that we know is very cunning, you know, very, very direct and so forth. And this guy just seems to be a little bit off of his rocker. But you know what? I, I'm, I'm still, I'm not going to throw anything out because of that. I want to see how they take him on this one. Um, it's, it's, it's still early days yet. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's the, the other picture? Oh, it was the one of um, Wonder Woman in a civilian wear. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> yep. Gal Gadot, yep. But it's, it's coming together, I think. Um, I think so. Uh, like you, I was a bit skeptical at first. I think they're going to bring something together that's going to be quite special. Mm-hmm. And, and another friend of mine pointed out that this is the kind of Superman movie that she's always wanted to see because when you, whether you look at like the old uh, Superman TV shows or mm-hmm. Superman the movie with Christopher Reeve, it's sort of like, hey, there's this, this superhero here and everybody just kind of takes him for who he is. But in this case... It's what she thinks is going to be a bit more realistic, like, you know, oh, here's this guy who can fly and he can do all this. There are going to be nutcases in the world who take him as some kind of god. Yeah. 
And, you know, as much as we'd like to think, no, 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 no. Yeah, that would happen. And it's interesting that they're having that kind of take on this as well. Batman and Superman have never gotten along, or they've never trusted each other, ever. No. You know, I, I don't seriously think that Bruce Wayne has ever trusted anyone, and he's got reason to not trust anyone. Well, that's true, but I mean, with Superman, he know, well, and even specified in the trailer, he can destroy humanity without a, an issue. Yeah, you know, and he's right, and then that, that's been one of the things that's been going on uh, since they started to pair them together. And Superman just doesn't trust Batman because Batman doesn't trust Superman. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's hard to trust someone who has absolutely no trust in you. Mm-hmm. So, and I get that. So it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. I, I'm I'm really eager to see this movie now. Yeah, I think it's going to be nothing like any of the other, uh, especially the Batman side of it. It's not going to be like any Batman movie you've seen. No. As you say, for Superman, it's going to be a lot darker. Uh, see, that's the other thing. A lot of the, especially the early the Superman movies, were very clean and mm-hmm. it was comic book. Basically, yeah. This is this is giving it a more real edge to it. Um, uh, how it would be if it was in modern society? I think so. I mean, even even Superman two, when they showed the the fighting in Metropolis, there wasn't that much capital damage. No. You know, okay, yeah. Every now they might have flown through buildings and some debris fell and people got injured from that. That's one thing, but you never really got any indication that people were critically wounded mm-hmm. or anything like that. Whereas in Man of Steel, you know lots of people died. You're right. That is something that is more realistic. You would think, anyway. So I'm, I'm definitely eager to see it. Right, next on the list, uh, we have uh, Mr. Moffat's... Uh... Oh, dude, bring it. <laughs> bring it. Obviously, you have Sherlock and Doctor Who coming up. What did you make of the um, the twist on Sherlock with the going back to the, the Victorian era? I think it's brilliant. Why not do it? Have some fun with it. You know, uh, it's like people who are going to criticize Sherlock for going back, and I don't know how they're going to do it. It's I'm guessing that it's just going to be... It's either going to be them putting themselves in a flashback kind of situation, mm-hmm. or Moffat's just going to say, whatever, this show's just going to take place back in Victorian times. But, you know, I mean, to criticize this regardless for going back in time, you might as well criticize all those Star Trek episodes where in the holodeck they went back in time for crying out loud. Yeah. You know, it's just, uh, I'm just, I'm so pumped for this. And what's even better is the fact that, at least in a limited way, it's going to be shown theatrically. Yeah, they did that before, not with Sherlock, but they did it with Doctor Who for the uh, for the 50th anniversary, mm-hmm. did the, uh, the big finale. Uh, so they know it works, doing that. And to, to have Sherlock on the big screen, you'll see things that you probably didn't see before, uh, or you probably did see, but mm-hmm. you, you know you'd have to, rewind a couple of times because on a smaller screen you don't notice it so much but on a bigger screen you you would it's going to be you know the way it works with with Sherlock where they quite often with text messaging and things where uh, you can see what's being said on the screen and all that kind of stuff being back in those era um, it's going to be more from Sherlock's mind yeah and you'll be actually more of how his mind works, or tried to anyway, because <laughs> I don't think anyone will 
really work out how his mind works. Well, he, you know, he calls himself a high-functioning sociopath. He is pretty much that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I'm, I'm just pumped for this. The only thing that saddens me about... Well, two things about that whole panel that, that saddened me is that, number one, we won't see this until around Christmas of next year and the admission that he hasn't even started to write season four yet. That, that was just a big Darth Vader. No! <laughs> <laughs> And uh, on the on the Doctor Who front, it's Capaldi's really coming into his own now. I think, mm-hmm. and I, I'm seeing a, a bit of a comparison with him and Tom Baker. It's a very similar kind of Doctor he's playing. I think with this one, he's having this next season that's coming out. He's he's gonna have a bit more fun with it. I think. I, I, I noticed it on there that he's got another image change with the with the shades with the sunglasses is, is that going to be his version of the bow tie <laughs> <laughs> or the fez you know <laughs> so it's going to be some interesting thing and obviously it's going to looks like it's going to be his first dealing with the Daleks <laughs> on this one so it's uh, and there's a couple of um, creatures that I seem to remember from the original series, the uh, the old um, Doctors uh, in this one as well. So it's good to see that they're bringing back some um, some old adversaries, as it were. <laughs> well, I mean, it's yeah. I, I think it's good to see some fan service to some of that older stuff. Just expose them to you know everyone knows who the Daleks are. Even people who don't watch Doctor Who knows who they are. Maybe it's time to do some fan service to people who actually watch the show more and, you know, bring some of those older enemies to the forefront. Mm, Definitely. To me, because the Daleks have been done again and again and again, they're not as scary as they used to be. No. Um, Some of the newer things, I mean, I I can't walk through a graveyard now. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. They really do scare me, those weeping angels. <laughs> um, my other half is she, she's threatening to get a, a little statuette of one, and give it to me for Christmas. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> is it animated? <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's going to be an interesting season, I think, uh, uh, season nine. Um, and that's coming out in the UK on the 19th of September. I'm I'm not sure when it's coming out in the U.S. My, my daughter follows Doctor Who way more than I do, which is, you know, oh, well. I just never got into it for some reason. I don't know why. I didn't the first time round um, when there was a big gap between um, Sylvester McCoy and then going into Chris Eccleston. Uh, well, it wasn't Chris Eccleston, was it? Because he went into um, Paul McGann <laughs> before that for the that movie version that they made, uh, which was made for the American market. One of these ones that was filmed in Canada to make it look like it was uh, New York or somewhere like that. <laughs> I saw the, the first one with Chris Eccleston and I thought, yeah, he's done quite a good job with this. A lot of people didn't like him as, as a doctor because obviously most people went for David Tennant, mm-hmm. who did a remarkable job, to be honest. But they've all done 
their own thing and, and, and it's the, the thing is with the Doctor every time you um, regenerate you know it's going to play with your mind a little bit isn't it it's, you can't not regenerate and, and not come out of it unscathed right <laughs> well I mean and if they're going to have the Doctor have the same attitude and the same you know way of doing things why bother changing the actor the actual regeneration idea is a work of genius <laughs> because you can have anybody play that role as long as it's a male ooh I don't think so I know no, no well, actually Moffat has said pretty much he's going to keep his characters he's going to keep his doctors as male do you know I'm, I'm just seeing now uh, two people that I think would make an, an awesome uh Doctor, uh, one would be Eddie Izzard, would be awesome. Oh my god, <laughs> uh, and, and probably Richard E. Grant would be uh, another. Uh, yeah, I can see that. Anything goes with the Doctor, that's oh, the yeah. thing, that's that's the beauty of the whole thing. Genius in writing, that was. <laughs> now, I've been a fan of his ever since coupling, and that won't be shown in the US, that's for sure. <laughs> no way. <laughs> Actually, I take that back. They tried to do it over here, and it just failed miserably. You can't tackle the topics that that show tackles over here when you've got puritanical people, over you know, like over here in the states. So that one was doomed to fail. Yeah, they not they weren't afraid to to tackle um, subjects on no. that show. That's no, for sure. they weren't. <laughs> Blast off into the podosphere with TGP Nominal. One of the biggest crowd pullers at the, the San Diego Comic Con was the Star Wars panel. Oh man! But we we didn't learn a great deal from the panel. We didn't uh, need although, to. <laughs> although we did find out the identity of one of the major players in the film, which was Donald uh, Gleason's character. Um, Gleason stated that during the panel that his character was called General Hux, mm-hmm. and that he was in command of Star Killer Base. Um, which Star Wars fan will recognize Starkiller as yep. the, the original surname of Luke Skywalker mm-hmm. from 1975 um, screenplay. I don't think that by mentioning what was in the three-minute clip that they showed, the behind-the-scenes clip, would be much of a spoiler, because I, I think pretty much everybody's probably seen that by now. I, I understand what he was doing there. He wasn't doing that to show anything new. He was doing that to reassure everybody that they've gone back to the original basics. Yeah. That that, that it, this is not going to be the green screen filled mess that the prequels were. And that's entirely what this clip was about saying, hey, this is real. Real sets, real actors, practical effects. You know, that's what he was trying to push with that because that's what everybody wanted. After well, you, the prequels, that's what we wanted. You had that bit with Peter Mayhew mm-hmm. where he said... You know, this is what it's about, going back to how it used to be. Yep. (laughs) He actually says that. Some people are going to be a bit disappointed with if they were expecting Princess Leia to be in princess kind of gowns and whatnot. I mean, she was in military dress. Yep. Uh, you kind of expected that after Return of the Jedi anyway, because mm-hmm. you're pretty much in that fatigues and stuff anyway there. I can't see what this implies about her role, really. It, you can't really tell anything from it. It was a very brief clip. Again, it wasn't meant to be a teaser or a trailer. It was it was meant to be 100% fan service. That mm-hmm. is one thing that J.J. Abrams gets. 
Yeah. He totally gets it because, and he said multiple times, he's just as much of a fan of Star Wars as we are. You know, so like when it came to the Star Treks, he was like, oh, well, okay, yeah, that's more of a directing role. Mm -hmm. In this case, he's a fan of Star Wars just as much as we are. So he's paying as much fan service as he can because this is what he would want. You know, if, if he wasn't directing, somebody else was, that we just, we didn't get it from the prequels. And so that that's why I'm not upset that it didn't show anything else. I was just really happy to see that he is trying to make this in spirit as close to the originals as can possibly be done. Now, the video showcased Simon Pegg in a costume uh, from the looks of it anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he's been a long time Star Wars fan yep. and renowned as a prequel hater. <laughs> but, yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's had some things to say about that. He could simply be an extra in it or he may be a major character in a costume but who knows we will find out at some point the, the other thing that made me laugh is um, despite him being the sharpshooting clones in the prequels the, the stormtroopers from the original trilogy were well how can we put it rather poor at hitting their targets slightly <laughs> and seem to be rather lacking in common sense as well um, but what could potentially change in the new film uh, for the troopers was using flamethrowers yeah <laughs> they don't well, need you know. ship for that they can just <laughs> just flame away there you go you know hey like a shotgun what what it doesn't have in distance it makes up for in just the damage it can do yeah <laughs> but I loved what he did and he's that, that whole thing at Comic Con was just fan service mm. and especially with what he did afterward that was just amazing he also did before as well because you know like they did with the pizza at, um, at yeah that's right he ordered Sarah pizza for coffee and um, coffee and donuts wasn't it for- yeah because I mean people were waiting in line like the day before and yeah. so yeah he, he bought pizza and other things for the fans who were waiting in line Mm. The, well, what what they offered on this one was they had the the, the free concert afterwards, didn't they? That was just wow. Uh, the logistics <laughs> of that must have been an absolute nightmare. <laughs> well, it's funny because they said that it was actually really orderly. Everybody oh, was hi. yeah. They said that everybody was down there. They left Comic Con and they walked down for however far away it was for this live concert. And something like it only took like forty five minutes from what I read. It was really orderly. In fact, they said it was probably more orderly than getting people into the theater for the uh, you know for, for the actual panel. But could you imagine? Could you imagine that you're there? You're just there to see J.J. Abrams and see Mark Hamill and and all those other people. And suddenly it's like, oh yeah, so everybody who's here, we're gonna take you out for a live a, a live concert of Star Wars music. Uh, wow. <laughs> Um, do, do we know what kind of thing? Or was it actually a live orchestra? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It was, hold on. I've got it right here. Uh, I believe it was the... Uh, oh, no. I have the name here. Hold on. Let me find it. Here it is. The San Diego Symphony Orchestra. All right. Oh, yeah. cool. Which is just, and they were escorted by uh, First Order Stormtroopers. Yeah, I heard this. <laughs> In fact, it was kind of funny because J.J. Abrams had to apologize to... Uh, oh, God. What, Kevin Smith afterward. Because... Kevin Smith had a panel for one of his movies immediately after. And and he and J.J. Abrams are good friends. They've been friends for a long time. But he was, I guess he was hoping that some people would have been able to stay for his panel. And then he showed up for his panel and it was 100% empty. 
because <laughs> everybody left for the for the, uh, the the live orchestra. I mean, this the whole thing for this the Star Wars panel was one hundred percent fan service, mm-hmm. and boy, did it work. JJ may be doing a frustratingly good job at keeping uh, the Force Awakens secrets well secret. Um, <laughs> but now the new themed Lego sets have debuted two never before seen characters. So this is done by mistake. Um, yeah, that happens. Leaked images of the Millennium Falcon and X-Wing toy sets appeared on the Lego Stroke Star Wars fan site, Bricks to Bottoms, <laughs> and sparking great excitement amongst the fans on social media. The minifigures in the box included an aged Han Solo, mm-hmm. Chewbacca, already confirmed new characters, Finn and Rey, and mm-hmm. BB-8. But there were two unknown characters as well. One with braids and a beard called Taisu Leech. And the other was a nameless character. But it said they were a member of the um, Kanji Club gang. The box shows the Falcon under attack from these two mysterious characters, suggesting that they might be baddies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no one has any idea who might be playing the two men. But some reports uh, are speculating that in Indonesian martial artist uh, Yayan uh, Ruyan uh, could be playing Leech as he's mentioned on the Force Awakens internet movie database page and he looks a little bit like the figure (laughs) the X-Wing is causing excitement because um, it's Poe Dameron's personal X-Wing fighter but it's not who it belongs to it's the colour of it it's not a white and orange like the normal uh, X-Wing it's black and orange in in the last trailer you saw him in his cockpit black and red um, helmet mm-hmm. which obviously goes with the colour scheme of right. the, the rest of the X-Wing yeah and the other thing I've just realised from that trailer as well he kind of goes mm-hmm. as his flyper exactly the same way as Anakin did when he was in one of the Starfighters in uh, episode one be making a stretch there. <laughs> I, I, if you're trying to link those two, I, I don't know about that. But obviously, we know what happened to Anakin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> These things have come out now. There's also um, some of the minifigures with the X-Wing. Obviously, you've got Poe Dameron. But you've got a couple of um, tech crew as well. And one of them's alien looking. Mm-hmm. So, um, oh, gee, in Star Wars, imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> These things weren't supposed to come out. They put it on the site, forgetting that the minifigures were on there as well. They just yeah. wanted to show off the uh, the craft, the spacecraft. But it was like, oops. But you know what? The the real fans aren't going to care. Just just like with the Deadpool trailer and all the others, or, or even if it gives away something that it probably shouldn't have, the fans aren't going to care. They could tell me right now exactly how the movie's going to end, and I will make, make a prediction here. I'm going to bet that Han Solo dies in this one. I'm just going to put that out there. But they could tell me exactly what happens in the movie. I won't care. I will be there and I will be shoving popcorn in my face and I will be having a big smile the whole time. I will probably um, cry at some point. <laughs> probably. I mean, it, it, it's everything. Everything. Star Wars yeah, really. Exactly. I mean, just everything about this that I've seen J.J. Abrams is doing this exactly the way we wanted him to. 
and, and you know, it, he is doing this in the total spirit of the original trilogy. And I think that's going to come through. And even if the story's just kind of like, meh, I, it, it's still going to be amazing. I'm just convinced of that now with everything that he's released and, and the way that he's been playing to the fans. He knows what he's doing and he's doing a very good job at pumping up the hype. I don't care what what gets leaked or released at this point. I mean, uh, <laughs> thinking about crying actually. Uh, first time I actually went on one of the Star Tours rides, <laughs> um, I cried, and I was there with my entire family. We, there was a, a massive group of us there at this thing, and um, my auntie said to my dad, "Is he okay?" <laughs> and dad said. Yeah, he's he's there. He's, he's tears of joy. <laughs> he's in a galaxy far, far away. Don't worry about him. Yeah, <laughs> the, this movie is going to make so much money. Oh yeah. I'm just going to say three words to start the next story and see what John's reaction will be. And those three words are, Penfold, we're home. (laughs) Yes. Yes, please. (laughs) Bring it. Now, during San Diego Comic-Con, new additions to the cast of the revamped animated series Danger Mouse were revealed in the form of Lena Headley from Game of Thrones and Dread and leading comedian and satirist, presenter and talk show host, John Oliver. (laughs) Lena Headley is set to provide her tones for a new character called Jeopardy Mouse, a sassy and stealthy American secret agent, the unseen star of the U.S. Secret Service. Uh, Why is he? That's triggering a pet peeve of mine where they hire British actors and actresses and then strip them of their British accent. Happens a lot. (laughs) I just, I don't get that. And of course, yes, I admit it. That's just one of those things with America. We love British accents. We love them. (laughs) For whatever reason. (laughs) I don't care. It's Danger Mouse. Bring her on. John Oliver will be breathing life into a character from the original series, Mad Scientist Wolf. Dr. Augustus P. Crumhorn III. Yes. Crumhorn oh. continues to cause trouble for Danger Mouse and Penfold with his wolfish, wily scientific ways, which um, I always remember the, the storyline where he had some kind of potion or tablets or something that made him turn into a, a little girl. <laughs> they uh, sent uh, Danger Mouse on a wild goose chase. Which was quite amusing. Now, the news was announced that a special panel consisting of key members of the Danger Mouse production team, including lead writer Ben Ward, who was responsible for the award-winning TV show for kids called Horrible Histories. Now, Horrible Histories, well, pretty much says what it is, really. It's history, and it's done in a fun way. The humour in there is not really made for kids, but it's a kids' show, and that's exactly what Danger Mouse is all about. There's a lot of humour in there that isn't really for the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm hoping that will keep it as real to the uh, original series as possible. And in another exclusive reveal, the panel also announced that the villainous vampire Duck and original Danger Mouse spin-off character Count Duckula will appear in the new series. <laughs> he has to. Um, and then they, you know, they have to have, they have to have Duckula, they have to have Baron von, you know, Baron Greenback, and all that. They've got to have them. Otherwise, it's just not Danger Mouse. 
But does this mean Count Duckula is going to get another series? <laughs> well, uh, that's it. I don't know. I think it's probably just going to be more fan service, which is fine by me. Oh, and by the way, anybody who's trying, why are you talking about this on a space podcast? It's because uh, Mark and I are both big fans of Danger Mouse. You're just going to have to deal with it. Sorry. Well, you see, the thing is, Danger <laughs> Mouse is kind of sci-fi when you think oh, about yeah. it. Oh, yeah. It was popular for those of us who were 80s teenagers, mm-hmm. but it really didn't go anywhere after that. And it's just good to see it back. Absolutely. Now, the, the guy who does the voice for Danger Mouse, I was really hoping it would be closer to the original. Penfold is good. I, I'm okay with that one. But I don't know. The, so, guy, the guy who's voicing Danger Mouse is like, wow, that's not really close to the original, is it? See, over here, it was the other way around. Really? <laughs> yeah. Because Alexander Armstrong kind of plays it the James Bond kind of way. Mm-hmm. And that is how Alexander Armstrong is. He, he comes across as uh, James Bond secret agent kind of guy that's how he talks the Penfold wasn't quite Terry Scott Hmm. Well, maybe it's just because Penfold really didn't have a whole lot to say in that trailer that they released. I, I do like the way that the, 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 the Wookiee sound, and he said, sorry, Chief, I got something stuck in my throat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I'm looking forward to this. Unfortunately, it will be showing over here through Netflix. Now, Lena Headley said, I wanted to do Danger Mouse because it was pure nostalgia for me. Nice. I have children now, and it's just a treat to be involved in something that you loved as a kid and are able to share it. Those moments as an actor that come once in a lifetime Mm -hmm. are not to be missed. Nope. Now, John Oliver said, I've loved Danger Mouse my entire life. Danger Mouse was a significant part of my childhood, so to get a chance to do it is like getting a chance to step back into your childhood, which is both magical and potentially hazardous. (laughs) (laughs) It will be awesome I can't wait to see it let alone hear myself in it <laughs> I love him that guy's hysterical I've got the teaser for it um, in the show notes so everyone can have a look at that the new Danger Mouse series will air in the UK in September on CBBC and internationally from spring in 2016 thank you CBBC you are going to make me get into piracy for this show <laughs> I will not wait until spring for this sorry they've been talking about doing it for quite a few years actually i don't know why they've chosen now to do it but who cares (laughs) exactly yeah i don't i don't care (laughs) they're more than welcome to bring this back now it's not going to be a full run though isn't it going to be just like 13 episodes to start um yeah i think the original series wasn't that long the first series wasn't uh well yeah that's true i think it was only like six or seven episodes but then they had how many 167 episodes yeah there were a lot (laughs) (laughs) So I guess this is just a feeler to see how well people take to it. But oh my God, yeah. I'm pumped. I am pumped. The thing is, they do realize, I hope they realize there's going to be more adults watching this than kids. I'm sure they realize that. I'm sure that they know that this is going to be mostly fed on nostalgia, but they're hoping that, just like My Little Pony, because that that was a cartoon series back in the 80s, and then they revamped it, they modernized it, and, you know, spiced up the humor and, and goofiness of it and so forth, and now you've got a whole new fan base, a huge fan base, and I think I think they're kind of... Oh, my God. My daughters are just totally hooked. No, I take that back. All three of my kids, son and daughters, are hooked on that cartoon. And I've seen a few episodes, and it's it's cute. It's funny. And I just think they're kind of hoping that this round of Danger Mouse takes the same kind of path. Yeah. 
And I will not have any problems if it does. As long as the humor is still there and, you know, it's very sharp-witted, as it always was, I'll be happy with that. Just based on that trailer, they know what they have to do and I think they're going to do it. Danger Mouse. The London Film and Comic Con uh, took place at Olympia in London. Uh, This year's three-day event was a huge event because it was chosen to host the Back to the Future 30th anniversary cast reunion. Um, To mark the release of uh, Robert Zemeckis' directed film, which came out in July 1985, cast members Michael J. Fox, Christopher Lloyd and Leah Thompson enjoyed a questions and answers session with the fans and shared their memories of the movie and how it changed their lives. Clearly thrilled to be reunited with her co-stars, Leah shared a candid shot of them together on her Instagram. And at the reunion, Michael J. Fox revealed that the iconic DeLorean left him battered and bloody. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I wish I had a video, like a, a gag reel, of how many times I was hit by that freaking door. Um, <laughs> the, the DeLorean door, Fox said. Take after take, it would go whack. <laughs> the entrance wasn't the only problem. The car was also a nightmare to handle, even if you didn't get need to get it up to 88 miles per hour. It was the worst thing ever to drive, he said. Nice. Had two gears, and I slammed the gears, and my hand would smash into the flux capacitor. My hand would be bleeding, my head would be bleeding, and I had to clean it all off to get to the family ties set. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Which was, to anyone who's not familiar with Family Size, it was a, a sitcom that he used to be in. Well, that, that's that's not really the sitcom that launched his career. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. So, because he, he was just brilliant in that show. The money it would take me to get back in that DeLorean <laughs> is a lot. <laughs> he concluded. Nice. Well, so, I, don't, I don't know if they're going to offer it over there. They might. But I, they ha- they're going to be releasing it over here. And I've already pre-ordered it. It's going to be a special 30th anniversary Blu-ray set. Uh, it's going to have all three of the movies. Mm-hmm. It's going to have the animated series. Ooh. And, you know, of course, behind the scenes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But the box is going to have a glowing flux capacitor to it. That's class. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, uh, that's already been pre-ordered. Fox also paid tribute to the many fans he's been in contact with over the three-day convention, saying he counted his most famous role amongst their number. Here you guys are, happily dressed as other people, other characters, crazy costumes and stuff, but you're the most genuine, real people I've ever met, (laughs) he said to cheers from the crowd. I've met people with their heart on their sleeves, and they love what they are. They love being together and doing things they enjoy. And if that's a nerd, then that's what Marty McFly is. Yep. (laughs) Actually, it's kind of funny because Bill Murray said the same kind of thing because he had his own little panel at San Diego Comic-Con for an upcoming movie of his. Mm -hmm. And he said basically the same thing. He'd never been to a Comic-Con before. Uh, I, I wish I had the original quote, but I don't. And he was just blown away by just everyone and everything and how genuine it all felt and and i remember there was one speaking to something that we were talking about earlier a fan asked him you know what his favorite role was or something to that effect and he did say that he had one role where he got to drive around the coolest car in manhattan (laughs) (laughs) so we know where he was uh, paying some fan service there (laughs) 
Now, other highlights from the anniversary reunion included a message from actor Thomas F. Wilson, who played mm-hmm. Biff Tannen yep. in the movies. He couldn't attend the event. Uh, there was various photo opportunities, including an 1885 clock tower photo shoot in Sapia. <laughs> which was awesome a 1955 clock tower which was a, a green screen photo shoot with you in a 1955 style uh, costume and uh, a lightning strike in the background um, a Gibson amp and guitar photo shoot with with the cast uh, a DeLorean time machine photo shoot obviously and even a crowd sing-along of Earth Angel with Harry Waters Jr who performed the song in the, the original movie other reunion cast members included Claudia Wells, who played the original mm-hmm. uh, Jennifer Parker, um, James uh, Tolkien, who played Mr. Strickland. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't get his name. Something McClure, who played Dave McFly. Uh, obviously, we've mentioned Harry J. Mark uh, McClure. Harry, Mark McClure. We've mentioned Harry Waters Jr., who played Marvin Berry. Donald Fullylove, who played uh, Goldie Wilson, or him and Goldie Wilson the mm-hmm. third. If you go to um, Mayor Goldie Wilson. <laughs> uh, Jeffrey Weissman, who replaced Crispin Glover as young George McFly mm-hmm. for the sequels. Francis Lee McCain, who played Stella Baines, um, Lorraine's mum. And uh, Ricky Dean Logan, who played Data, uh, one of Griff's gang members. You know the one who had the chest plate that used to play the different sound effects? Mm-hmm. That's, that's him. Now, the organisers of the event, Showmasters, in association with Team Fox, have created up to 88 a charity to raise money and awareness for the Michael J. Fox Foundation. Up to 88 will run until the 21st of October 2015. <laughs> Back to the Future Day. Yeah, slightly irrelevant. A slightly irrelevant day. <laughs> the, the aim of Up to 88 is to channel the fan force of the Back to the Future movies and the amazing ad- uh, attendee following of um, Showmasters events. All this during a significant year in Back to the Future uh, history. The target is to raise $88,000 through direct donations to the Up to 88 team page on the Team Fox website. Now, I'll include a link to the Up to 88 webpage in the show notes. There's also a link to the Back to the Future reunion and the Gremlins panels uh, from London Film and Comic Con. Oh my God, Gremlins? Wow. That is one of the very few instances where the sequel was so much better than the original. Yeah. To a degree, the humor was a lot better (laughs) in the sequel. Well, I mean, the first one was just really just meant to kind of be a gross fest in a lot of ways. The second one had just such brilliant humor to it. This is one of the best movies I know of that you really could only enjoy in theaters because of the scene where they seem to cut the film reel. I remember I used to be, I used to work at a local theater when they released that. My manager and I would actually look at the time and find out how long it was since the movie started and be like, oh, we got to get in there just for the scene where it looks like the film melted just so we could hear the audience response. (laughs) And that particular theater at the time was one of the few that had surround sound. So it sounded like the gremlins were coming from the projection booth. Oh, that's brilliant. It was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And nowadays, you just you know, can't really... Yeah, you might understand that nowadays. But that that was a kind of humor in gremlins, too, that just blew... And then Tony Randall as the lead gremlin. 
Oh my god, that was a brilliant move. Now was that civilized? No, clearly not. Fun, but in no sense civilized. Yeah, that is, that is one of those movies where I could watch Gremlins 2 over and over again. First one, nope. But uh, the, the thing I, I also like about Gremlins 2 is you had to watch it right to the end. Oh, yeah. because of Daffy Duck at the, <laughs> the end. That, that was also a big fan service to Warner Brothers fans. You know, the <laughs> Batman logo for crying out loud. It's like, oh, wow. They yeah. had so much fun with that movie. <laughs> I, I did enjoy the first one as well. Well, you just caught me off guard when you said that there was actually a panel for it. It's like, what? Well, basically, it was just um, uh, Zach Galligan and uh, the woman who played his mum. Oh. <laughs> the panel. Oh, his that mom. Was okay. I was about to say, whoa, Phoebe Cates, what? Yeah, apparently not. Oh, yeah, right. Going back to Back to the Future, Leah Thompson still looks really good. Yes, she does. <laughs> I've seen pictures of her recently. She's still... Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's still all that. <laughs> I'm going back to Howard the Duck because I just remember. Oh, when must you? That. <laughs> I like Howard the Duck. I like some of the cheesy films. I, I think that makes one Howard. of you. <laughs> or Howard, a new breed of hero. Oh, God, that movie did so badly. It certainly did. <laughs> Not as badly as Hudson Hawk, I must have... <laughs> See, I enjoyed Hudson Hawk because I think that movie failed because a lot of people expected it to be another Bruce Willis. Rah, rah, rah. And I just went in there with no expectations. And when you have that, I mean, come on. Danny Aiello and and, and uh, Bruce Willis singing, you know, going to be swinging, swinging on a star while they're committing a, an invasion. That's <laughs> funny. I was laughing my head off through that movie, but... I think a lot of people just expected it to be Bruce Willis, Die Hard, and it wasn't. So they forget where he came from, though, you know what I mean? Because he was... Moonlighting, hello. Moonlighting, yeah, that wasn't exactly Die Hard, was it? No, no, it was totally <laughs> ABC comedy. <laughs> and, and really, with Howard the Duck, a lot of the problems, too, is that they really didn't have the technology to pull off what they wanted to pull off. No. They tried badly. If they did it now, they could probably do it. Wasn't there talk of him doing a reboot of that? that? I mean, that could also be why he had a little bit of a cameo in, uh, oh God, was it Age of Ultron? Yeah. No, 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 it was uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, it was. He had a little bit of a cameo in there, so there's some speculation that they might be doing that. Mm -hmm. Which, again, now with CGI, they could do it. Oh, yeah. But that's back in the mid-80s, for the kind of detail that they wanted, mm, no. Yeah, that's a shame, really, but yeah, I, I kind of enjoyed it. I guess it's like me with Green Lantern, just... Take it for what it is and just sit back and enjoy it. Right. Um, we've covered quite a lot of ground tonight, haven't we? Yeah, we have. That was all the information we had about what happened over the, the course of the last few weeks in the Comic-Con world. And uh, we'll be coming to you with some other uh, Comic-Cons and all kinds of uh, exhibitions and things that are coming up. We've, we've got some in the pipeline. I can't tell you about them quite yet, but... Um, they're on their way, um, and I've just seen on uh, Facebook that there is a page for Wickham Comic Con 2016 already. Hopefully, we'll get to cover that next year. It would be nice if it was a we, but I don't see that happening. Well, <laughs> <So> maybe <it's>, you. <laughs> I, I'm grateful to have Colin Kitchen now, a resident photographer, along with us. But um, it wasn't till I actually got to the event when Colin said, "I don't do talking." I was like, ah, this is going to be a difficult one. But no, it paid off. 
Yeah, meet some brilliant people, and um, it'd be great to meet up with some of them again. Yeah. Whereas uh, I can do a lot of talking. It's just we've got this slight thing called an airfare that goes uh, and, and just puts a stop to it. Yeah, <laughs> if it was a biggie either on your side or on this side, it'd probably be worth me trying to go to get to you or the other way around. Oh heck, sometimes it's not even worth it. Just me going across the country. <laughs> This was many, many years ago. Uh, it, I was doing training uh, for a certain product, and I was given the choice of going to California, England, or uh, nearby Baltimore, which obviously that kind of makes it, well, okay, might as well just do Baltimore because you can drive there. But I was like, you know what? I've got I've got to take this course either way. I'd like to take it in England. So how about you guys pay for airfare? I pay for everything else. And it, they were just like, you know what? You don't abuse the travel privilege, so we'll do it. Sweet. And then I found out afterwards that it was actually cheaper at the time to fly me to England than it would have been to fly me to California. Wow. Mm-hmm. Go figure. <laughs> Spunhead Productions are a small, independent sound recording company based in rural Hertfordshire. We specialise in creating content for all your podcasting needs, whether it be field recordings, fox pops, or capturing the atmosphere during social events. Editing is a very time-consuming job, so Spanhead Productions are on hand to take away some of the burden for you. Just advise us on how you'd like your content to sound, and we will do the rest. We can even help you design and manage a website for your podcast too. Visit us now, spanheadproductions.com. Weebly.com. That's spamheadproductions.weebly.com. I think it's about time we called it a day, really, because we've, we've covered so much today. Well, you know, it's interesting that you say that, because obviously we were talking off the air, offline, however, whatever euphemism you, you wish to use for it, about the podcast, each episode being quite long, which mm-hmm. can't disagree with that. So, those of you who are listening to this, what would you think about us splitting this up in t- from one big monthly into two, you know, semi-monthly? Shorter, we can cover topics a bit more recent between shows or however we do it. We're still not even out of our first year yet, so there's always some some uh, finagling and fine-tuning that we could do. So I just want to throw that out to what the listeners would think about that. Obviously, as we say at the end of the show, your input is mm-hmm. our output, so... Um, we need your feedback. Right. I, I really do think we should call it a day. <laughs> yes, I agree with that. <laughs> so, um, thanks for listening, everyone, and uh, we'll speak to you again soon. Toodles! Well, that about wraps it up for this episode of TGP Nominal. Be sure to visit www.tgpnominal.weebly.com for the show notes for this or any other episode. Just look for the relevant tab on the menu. Let us know what you think of the show. Send an email to garbagepod at virginmedia.com Because... Your input is our output. Or you can use the social media icons at the top of the page that include Twitter and Facebook. If you would like to subscribe to any of our podcasts, you can do so via iTunes, the RSS feed, and also TuneIn and Stitcher On Demand Radio. Don't forget to rate and review us. You can also listen to rebroadcasts of all our shows on the Awake Radio group. You can find a link on our podcast pages. If you like what we're doing here, then why not buy us a pint by clicking on the donate button on any of the podcast pages and don't forget to spread the word about us.
station. This is Houston ACR. Thank you. That concludes the event.